0: morning to everyone, and um, again, I'm, I'm happy to be here this morning with you. Uh, some of you, you may know already, but Pastor Travis is out of town this morning. Uh, he did have, have a loss in, the, in his family, and so um, just want to make sure that we're praying for him today, and uh, he, he also wanted me to just let you know that, that he does love you very much, and, and he'll be back next week, Lord willing. Um, you guys have an amazing pastor, by the way, right? Pastor Travis, and and his wife, Mitzi, have been just such a, such a blessing to me and, and my family. Um, I know that he's been a blessing to you. Amen? Amen. So let's just go ahead and remember just to, just to keep him in prayer. Also, just want to just say to, to Jason and to the leadership team here, to the, to the elders and the deacons, um, I know there's been a lot going on in the church lately, a lot going on in our city, a lot going on in our world, and you guys are doing a, a great job leading. So thank you guys for, for leading the way that you have been leading. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I'd like us to take a look at this well-worn psalm with a fresh set of eyes this morning. This is a psalm that that many of us have have grown up memorizing. Um, It's certainly one of the most recognizable pieces of literature in the history of the world. Um, Charles Spurgeon, he's he's called the, the Prince of Preachers, right? But he said that Psalm 23 was the pearl of the psalms, right? And that's why we call him the Prince of Preachers, because he says stuff like that. I mean, Charles Spurgeon was, was amazing, and, and he, he has a name for just about every psalm, but he said that this one is the pearl. So if you would, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to pray for us, and then, and then we'll go ahead and read this together, all right? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the matchless name of your son, Jesus. And God, we're gathered together here as a church family. Father, and we're eager to hear from you. God, we, we don't need another word from man today. God, we need a word from you. So Father, would you show up here this morning, Father? Would you, would you use my voice, God? Would you, would you use your word, God, to impact our lives, God, to change us? to to transform us and make us more into the image of your son, Jesus. Father, would you open our spiritual eyes, God? Would you allow us to be able to see beautiful things, God, from your word? God, we need you to to be with us this morning, so would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen. 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 All right, Psalm 23 begins, A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I don't know about you, but, uh, but I'm just about ready for the year 2020 to come to an end. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like there's just been one piece of, of bad news after another, right? I mean, I mean every, every, um, every week it seems like there's something else coming our way, another bad headline in, in the newspaper. And, and these last three and a half months have, have felt like they've lasted for at least a year. And uh, you know, some of the headlines that I've seen lately, you know, over the last three months and even recently have been headlines like this, like, like there's a global pandemic, right? There's, there's headlines that there's a trade war between us and China, there's, there's Great Depression-level unemployment. There's riot and unrest in the streets. I mean, it's just one thing after another. It's like it's, it's, it's tracking us down. I, I feel like I can't get away from it. It feels like the only thing that we've been able to avoid so far this year is, is the murder hornets. <laughs> Did you guys hear about the murder hornets? I haven't seen any yet. I, I hope we just missed that one. But th- there is just a lot of bad news coming our way lately. And I just started to think, I said, you know what? The Bible's got some headlines too, right? The Bible's got some really, really good headlines. As a matter of fact, the headlines in the Bible are so good that even when there's bad news all around us, there's still good news that we can rest our feet on. We can put our feet on a firm foundation. We can know that Jesus has us, that we can trust in him, and that no matter what comes our way, everything is going to be all right. I love Psalm 112 that says this. It says, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. And here's what it says. It says, he is not afraid of bad news. Come on, somebody. He's not afraid of bad news. Right? His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Isn't that great? If I was going to give this message a title today, here's what it would be. It would be, goodness and mercy are pursuing me. Come on, say that with me. Goodness and mercy are pursuing me. Say it again. Come on. Goodness and mercy are pursuing me. Man, I love that. I've been reading about the life of David from the book of First Samuel, and most of you know that he's the author of Psalm 23. Um, in First uh, Samuel chapter 16, Samuel comes to to David, this young boy, and he he anoints him as the king of Israel. He says, "I know that Saul is still technically the king." He says, however, God's favor is now on you and I'm anointing you to be the king. God's favor is now resting upon your life. And some years pass by and then it, in the next chapter in um, 1 Samuel 17, David confronts Goliath. He, he sees this giant who's taunting the armies of the living God and, and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of God? And he goes out on the battlefield, he slays the giant, All of a sudden, he's the hero. He gets the girl. The king loves him, right? I mean, it just couldn't be better for him. But then within a a few chapters, right, within just a few chapters, all of a sudden, David falls out of favor with the king. King Saul puts a, a bounty on his head, and all of a sudden, he's running for his life. He loses his home. He loses his wife, and he's hiding now in a cave, I mean, think about this with me for a second. I mean, this just, it doesn't make any sense. Samuel, the prophet, just came to David and said, God's favor, God's blessing is on your life. You are the anointed royal king in God's eyes. And David at some point had to stand back and go, Really? (laughs) Really, Samuel, the prophet, I'm, I'm, I'm anointed, I'm the anointed king, I'm favored in God's eyes? It doesn't really feel like I'm the king. I mean, here I am hiding out in this cave. And you know what, sometimes we go through trials too, don't we? I mean, not only are there bad lines in the newspapers, but sometimes we just go through trials. And you know what the Bible calls us, don't you? Right, we're called the children of God in scripture. Right, but but sometimes when, when trials come our way and we start to go through really difficult times, sometimes we sit back and say, you know what, I don't don't really feel like a child of God. You know, it doesn't really feel like God's blessing is on my life. And and so the thing that I just want to ask today is, why is that, right? Why would God allow us to go through trials? I mean, some of us, I I would even say many of us are going through trials right now, right? We're walking through some dark times, not only in our own personal lives, but also in our city and in our country and, and in our entire world. I mean, these are these are perilous times that we're living in. And I just want to ask, why would God allow that? Right? And importantly, how should we respond to God, especially to God in times of adversity? And I want us to see if we can answer that question today by looking at the life of David from Psalm 23. You see, David wrote Psalm 23 as he looked back upon his life and all that he had gone through. And so I think that we can look at God's word today and we can find some answers there. Now listen, I believe that Psalm 23 was written, the main purpose that it was written was to give people hope in the midst of their trials. Right, so that we could trust God as we walk through the trials that are, that are in our lives. And the first thing that David does is this. Point number one this morning is David remembers who God is. So, so let's just turn that into an imperative and let's say this. Point number one, when we go through trials, we need to remember who God is. Isn't that what David does here? Take a look at it with me. Verse number one says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. You see how in your Bibles, it's it's all capital letters. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Anytime we see the word Lord in our Old Testament Bibles, where all the letters are capitalized, that is God's covenant name. God's name is Yahweh. It's used over 4,000 times in the Old Testament, and here's what it means. It means, I am that I am. We scratch our heads and we go, I don't even really understand what that means. But, but here's basically what it means. It means that God is the self-existent, eternal, self-sufficient God. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need anything. Right? He cre- in fact, he created everyone and everything. Right? God owns everything. God spoke the universe into, into existence with the breath of his mouth. He's the ruler, he's the one in charge, he's the boss, he is almighty, this is God we're talking about here. Right, so isn't it amazing then when David says this, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. Now listen, this statement right here is meant to be shocking. This this statement is meant to shock us because a shepherd, to be a shepherd, was the lowest job that anyone could have in the ancient world. If you were a family and you owned some sheep, it would be the the youngest kid, like David. Remember, David was the eighth-born son of Jesse, and David was in charge of watching the sheep. The youngest person in your family would be in charge of watching the sheep. They would be the shepherd. To say that the Lord is my shepherd is, is mind-blowing because the shepherd's job, his one job, right? His job description, his mission statement would be this, to care for the sheep. That's your one job, man. Don't mess it up. Care for the sheep. And the shepherds would be out in the field with the sheep and they would be with them 24 hours a day, right? They would, they would eat with the sheep. They would sleep with the sheep It didn't matter if the sun was shining, if it was raining, if it was day, if it was night, if there was danger, it didn't matter. The shepherd were with the sheep, and they were with the sheep so much that the sheep would actually know the sound of the shepherd's voice, and the shepherd would know the sheep so well that they, he would know each one of them by name. Now now imagine this with me for a second. And I just want to ask you I just want to challenge you this morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe that the Lord, almighty God himself, is your shepherd? Do you believe that? And that's why David says this next. He says, I, that's why David says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's, it's, it's sort of unfortunate language here when it says I shall not want because we don't really talk like that anymore. But Psalm 23 is so iconic that if translators start to change the words to make it a little bit more understandable to our modern context, it would just kind of ruin the flow of the psalm. So they just leave it here. But here's what that doesn't mean, all right? To say that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, doesn't mean that I don't want the Lord to be my shepherd, right? Doesn't mean that. Here's another thing that it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I'm going to get everything that I want. Right now, there's a lot of things that we want that we don't have, am I right? I mean, I, I was sitting there this morning, I'm sitting there thinking, what, what are some things that I want? I really want a swimming pool in my backyard. I'm not gonna have one probably when I get home. I'll, I'll show up and it'll, there'll still be grass back there. Praise God there's grass, but I don't have a pool. I was thinking it's summertime right now, I'd also really like to have a boat. I want a boat, and, and I don't have a boat. I asked my wife. I said, "What what do you want, honey?" She said, "Well, I want someone to follow me around, and when I cook, I want them to clean up after me." (laughs) And um, I said, "Well, maybe I'll work out a deal with 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 our kids, and maybe she can, maybe maybe my daughter can do that, Eliana. Yeah, you'll get some allowance." (laughs) But yeah, she just wants someone to follow her around, and when she cooks, she wants them to clean up after her. She that, that's what she wants. She doesn't have that right now. And then she said she wants a three-car garage. Right? She wants a three-car garage. Apparently that's a big deal to her. And here's the deal. We want it all debt-free. Right? We want it all debt-free. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that we're going to get everything that we want. There's a lot of things that we want that we don't have. But here's what it does mean. It does mean that because the Lord is my shepherd, I will have everything that I need. Even as we go through trials in this life, we will have everything that we Need, and that's because the Lord is good. But here's the thing sometimes, right, we doubt the goodness of God and we begin to question whether or not the Lord is really going to provide everything that we need when we're going through trials. Do you remember the conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees in the New Testament in John chapter 10? Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd and he he lays out a few characteristics of what a good shepherd is really like. And here's what he says. He says says, a good shepherd provides for the needs of the sheep at his own expense. Right? He's willing to sacrifice in order to care for the sheep. He says that a good shepherd owns the sheep. He's not just a hireling. Those are his sheep, and therefore he protects them. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then the last thing that he says, he says that that he knows his sheep by name. Uh, Hear me, church. Jesus is saying here, he's saying, I am the good shepherd of Psalm 23. Jesus is the good shepherd of Psalm 23. Now listen, I just want to ask you, what kind of trials are you going through right now in your life? Like, I I don't want to minimize the trials that you're facing in any way. Right? There are probably some people here in this room who've, who've lost their jobs. And you're not quite sure how you're going to be able to provide for your family. Right? Maybe, maybe like Pastor Travis, you've, you've lost a loved one recently. Maybe you're, you're quite literally walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now. Maybe you got a, a bad report from a doctor. Maybe, maybe a family member that you know got a bad report from a doctor. Maybe you've got, you've got a, a child who's a wayward child and you're not really sure if they're going to come back to the Lord and, and you pray for them all the time, but it seems hopeless. I just want to tell us that we can trust God through our trials. Right? Many trials that we go through in this life. So here's the thing. How are we going to keep on believing in the goodness of God as we walk through our, our trials? That's, that's the question. Right? Because here's the deal. It's really easy to lose sight of the goodness of God as we walk through our trials, right? When we're going through the middle of a trial, it's easy to lose sight of God's goodness. And and this is the second thing that David teaches us in the Psalm. He says, point number two, remember God's past provision. Point number one, remember who God is. Number two, remember God's past provision. Isn't that what David does? Look at verse number two. He says this. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, that's, that's what I'm going through right now. It's scary. I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a deep valley in dark shadows right now. And here's what it's like. It's as if, it's as if David is looking back over the course of his life, and he's having a conversation with somebody now. And he's saying, let me tell you my testimony. God has always provided for me. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside green pastures. The pastures are green. They're not brown. They're green pastures. They're lush pastures. And it's not just a pasture. It's pastures. Right? It's not just still waters. It's still waters. Right? He's saying that this is the pattern of God's leading. I can look back over the course of my life, and I can see that God has always led me to green pastures and still waters, right? Here's, here's the thing though, sometimes the path that the Good Shepherd takes us on, it takes us through deep valleys and dark shadows, right? Sometimes the path that God, that God leads us down in order to get us to the green pastures and the still waters is the valley of the shadow of death. Like. Think about this, God is literally leading you through the valley of the shadow of death at times. I don't know if we think about things that way sometimes, but God is the one who's leading us through these difficult times because he's leading us to a better place. Reminds me of of Romans chapter 8, 28, right? It says, God works all things for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now hear hear me, Providence Church. Our first response to the deep valleys and the dark shadows that God sometimes leads us into is never going to be one of remembering that the Lord is good and that he leads us to green pastures and still waters unless we intentionally take time to remember how God has provided for us in the past. Now, if I could maybe just give you a word of application this morning, hopefully you guys came to grab onto something so when you go home you can can apply this message to your life. I would really encourage you guys to sit down as a family and and get a notebook out and and a pencil or a a Word document or however you want to do it and just look back over your life at the difficult times and the trials that you guys have gone through in your life and maybe some of the prayers that you guys have prayed where God has answered your prayers and write those things down and memorialize those things so so that you can remember God's past provision. My wife and I recently did that. We sat down one night and, and we just began to think back from the time that we first met and all the things that we've gone through in our life over the past 14 years, and we just started to write down prayers that we prayed. And I wish we would have done it sooner, but, but we started to write down prayers that we prayed, and then we started to write down the answers to those prayers. And I, I was writing small, and we took up the whole page. And at the end of it, here's what we thought. We thought, wow, we should pray more. <laughs> right? We should pray more. Look at how faithful God has been in the past. Look at how God has heard our prayers. Look at how God has answered our prayers. Look at how God has brought us through difficult situations in our lives. And we've been through some scary things, but as we look back, we can always see how God has protected us the entire time. And that leads me to my third point this morning. It's this, when we're walking through intense trials, we need to point number three, trust in God's present protection. We need to remember God's past provision, but we need to trust in God's present protection. Look at verse 4. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, this is important, right? When David was recounting God's past provision, he's looking this way, giving someone his testimony. He's saying, he leads me, he guides me, he makes me lie down. But as he goes through the trial itself, as he goes through the valley of the shadow of death, here's what he does. He turns, and now he turns to the Lord and he says this. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you can can sense that David has a personal relationship with God. It's not just talking about god or about what god has done but you literally turn to god david turns to god and he says you are with me now listen i would even just say this this morning we we all know the psalm of the shepherd do we not i mean psalm 23 is a psalm that we all know but do you know the shepherd of the psalm that's the question this morning because listen it's not enough to know about jesus it's not enough to talk about jesus A lot of people know a lot of things about Jesus and the Bible, but knowledge about Jesus is not enough to save you. I think C.S. Lewis said it best. He said said it like this, every poet and musician and artist, but for grace, is drawn away from the the love of the thing that he tells, to the love of the telling. They're drawn away from the love of the thing that he tells about to the... Just to the telling now, that's what they actually love to do. And he says this until down in deep hell, they cannot be interested in God at all, but only in what they say about Him. <clears throat> now, he, hear me. The He leads me, the He guides me, He restores me actually isn't true. It actually is not true in your life unless you've turned to God and you can say, you are with me. You have to have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Isaiah 42 says this, God speaking, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Can you hear the intimacy in God's voice speaking to his people? He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I just love these pronouns, right? You are mine, right? You, I, I am the Lord. I am your Savior. And you can just hear the personal relationship that God has with his people. But you know what else I hear? I hear it here and in Psalm 23, is that God doesn't say, I'm going to rescue you out of the trial. He doesn't say, I'm going to rescue you out of the fire. He doesn't say, I'm going to keep you from going through the fire. What he says is this, is that when you go through the fire, I'm not going to allow you to be consumed. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to lead you to green pastures, but I'm not going to rescue you out of the situation. I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to protect protect you as you go through it. The promise is that he will be with us, right? His presence is with us. I love the way Psalm 139 puts it. And and Psalm 139 talks about the presence of God, that that the presence of God fills the earth, that his presence is everywhere. But it also talks about the particular covenant presence of God with his people. Here's what he says. He says, even if I take the wings of the morning and travel to the uttermost parts of the sea. He says, even there, you're with me. And your right hand upholds me. Even there. I love those two words. There are times in our Christian life when we can look back at the good times and we can say that God was definitely there. Right? But we can also look back at times of trials and dark times that we've gone through and we can say, and he was even there with me too. He was definitely there, and he was even there. And your Christian life that ebbs and flows like the tides of the sea, that rises to the heavens one moment and down to the depths the next, right? We can look back at those dark times, and we can sense that the Lord was even there with us too, right? It's a life that's lived between the extremes of definitely there and even there. Right? He was definitely with me at this point, but he was even with me at this point. He was definitely with me in the sunshine, but he was even with me in the shadow. He was definitely with me at noonday, right? but he was even with me at midnight. He was definitely with me when the sun was shining, but he was even with me when the wind was blowing and the rain was against me. And if there's anything that can keep us Going in this life when it gets hard, it's knowing that God is with me, that we don't have to go alone, even there, right? Even there, even in the valley of the shadow of death, even there, you are with me. Here's what I want us to see. God is presently with me. He's protecting me along the way, and he's leading me back to green pastures and still waters. Back to Psalm 23 and verse 5, changing of of metaphors now. Though God is still the shepherd in this verse, the shepherd now puts on a a waiter coat and he throws a banquet for for David. This is amazing. Look at verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows here's what we need to know. A little bit of this language is lost on us because when we go to someone's house for dinner they don't, they don't anoint our head with oil right? But, but in the ancient Near Eastern world what they would do is you, you would travel quite a ways to get to someone's house for a banquet and, and when you got there you might not smell too good. There wasn't showers readily available <laughs> right? Your feet would be dirty. You would be dusty. You'd, you would need refreshing and that, that's what they would do. They would pour oil on your head. It would envelop the room with a with a great scent, a great sense of smell. Your your head, your face would shine. You you would be refreshed. They would fill up your cup with wine, and and you would be refreshed. Now now remember, David is still walking through the valley of the shadow of death, is he not? And and his enemies are still around him, but look at what God does. God prepares a table before him in the presence of his enemies. This reminds me of a story that I was reading in... um, and 1 Samuel 23, in the story of David's life, maybe, maybe you've read it. As I mentioned earlier, David was running for his life from King Saul. Saul hated David and he was doing everything in his power to, to overtake David and, and to kill him. And David knew this and he fled to the Judean desert and the region of the Dead Sea. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Dead Sea or you've seen pictures of the Dead Sea, but they call it the Dead Sea for a reason. All right, the, the salt water is, you can't drink it, there's no... Vegetation anywhere around. There's no fresh water. The temperature regularly climbs over 100 degrees. This is not a place that you would want to be for any length of time. Right? In 1 Samuel 23, King Saul learns that David is hiding in the mountains and the desert. So he and his army begin to pursue David, right? They begin following after David into the desert. And just as Saul and his men were about to overtake him, here's what happens. 1 Samuel 23 Starting in verse 26, it says this, Saul was going along one side of the mountain and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, come quickly, the Philistines are raiding the land. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. And that is why they call this place Selah HaMalikoth, which just means the rock of parting. When David finally did become king, he built a monument there, called it Selah HaMalikoth. And then verse 29 says this, and David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. En Gedi, -Gedi, I've been studying a little bit of Hebrew lately and and this word actually means the, the spring of the goat. The spring of the goat. Listen, it's not a great name, it's not a great name, but let me tell you this. It's a great place. It's, a, it's, it's actually a hidden oasis that's right in the middle of the mountains of the Dead Sea, high up in the mountains. There's actually a, a warm, freshwater spring that bubbles up out of the ground. There's lush vegetation. There's naturally growing grapes and dates growing there that, that David and his men could have eaten. They could have taken a, a bath, a nice warm water bath. They could have been refreshed. There's goats that come and drink from the water there that could have had all the meat that they wanted. And and here's the thing, nothing changed for David. David is still the most wanted man in all of Israel. He's still running for his life. Saul still wants him dead. But look at what God does for David. He literally prepares a table before him in the presence of his enemies. I think it's possible that David might have even written Psalm 23 right there in the strongholds of En Gedi. as he just sat back and looked around at this beautiful lush, lush vegetation and nice warm water pool. It's beautiful. You guys, look it up when you get home. En Gedi. Just look up images of En Gedi. There's waterfalls and everything. I mean, it is, it is absolutely beautiful. And just like Saul and his men were pursuing David, right? This word that it talks about... In in 1 Samuel 23, it says that Saul and his men were pursuing David. They were following David. Look at what David says in verse 6 of Psalm 23. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last point today. Point number four, be optimistic about your future. Be optimistic about your future. Right? Hear me, friends, it doesn't matter what trial you're going through right now. Right? It may be dark, it may be painful, it may seem hopeless, but, but hear this, God holds your future in the palm of his hands. Right? Charles Spurgeon said it best, he said, the God of the past has blotted out your sin, the God of the present works all things for your good, and the God of the future will never leave you or forsake you. I think it's interesting that David says that goodness and mercy shall follow me. Right? This, as I mentioned, this Hebrew word, follow me. And Psalm 23 is the same exact Hebrew word as 1 Samuel 23, where it says that Saul and his men were following David. They were pursuing David to kill him. David looks back at his life and he says, you know what? Even though Saul and his army and his men were pursuing me, they were chasing me, and they almost got me. He says, the, the one that was really following after me was these two twins, goodness and mercy. Right? This word, Tov in, 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 in Hebrew, it literally just means goodness. It's, it's goodness is going to follow me, it's going to pursue me, it's going to track me down. And this word mercy is this word, chesed, right? You've, you've, maybe you've heard of it before. It, sometimes it's translated as God's loyal love. Right? David says, the one that's really tracking me and the one that's really pursuing me and the one that's actually tracking me down is goodness and the loyal love of God. I love that. And then, he, and then he says this, not only do I have the privilege of dining at the Lord's table now here in Engedi, he says, but one day when my life comes to an end, here's the reality for me that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, right? Even if the shadow of death covers me, my future is always bright in Christ. So I want to encourage you this morning, church, listen, you may be walking through a dark, a dark valley right now, but your future is bright in Christ. Your, your best days are always ahead of you in Christ. It doesn't matter where you are and, and what stage of your life you're in, no matter what you're going through now, As a child of God, right? even if you're going through difficult times, the reality is this, that goodness and mercy are going to overtake you, and that your best days are always, always ahead of you in Christ. Remember a story from Donald Barnhouse, the great Presbyterian preacher in Philadelphia at the 10th Presbyterian Church, who went through a time when he he had young children, daughters. And his wife passed away from cancer. And it was a, a tough time and Donald Barnhouse did something that I could probably never do. He said, he said that he would go ahead and preach his own wife's funeral service. And so the day came and he and his daughters were, were in the car and they were driving to the funeral and he was getting ready to, to preach the sermon but he realized that he really needed to talk to his daughters and help them understand what had really happened. And so they're, they're driving and they pull up to a, a stoplight and it's a nice warm day. The sun is shining into the car. It's warming the car. And all of a sudden, a truck pulls up right next to them and it casts a shadow over the car. And, and right then, Donald Barnhouse knew that this was his chance. And he turns to his kids and he said, would you rather be hit by the truck or by the shadow? And one of his daughters thought about it for a second with a puzzled look on her face, and she said, well, of course, Dad. I would rather be hit by the shadow. A shadow can't hurt you. And he said, exactly. He said, and that's what happened to Mom. She was hit by the shadow. She wasn't hit by the truck. Jesus actually stood in her place, and the truck hit Jesus, but only the shadow hit your mother. And then he quoted from Psalm 23, and he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I love how Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who believes in me shall never die. It's because death can't actually hit us. Death can't actually take us out. When the shadow of death passes over our life, we're in the presence of Jesus. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why Jesus said to the Sadducees, right, who didn't believe in the resurrection, He says, Have you not read that God said, I am? Present tense. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're living. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. Father, we thank you so much for Psalm 23. God, this familiar psalm, there's so much here for us, God. And God, we we recognize your greatness today as a church. God, we recognize that you are the great I am, the eternal, all-powerful God. And Father, that you care for us. God, you've always provided for us, God. You lead us to green pastures, still waters. God, I thank you that that's the testimony of my life, God. And even as I walk through difficult times, God, I thank you that I can trust in your present protection. And God, I thank you for, for Jesus, who was hit by the truck, God. He, he took the cross for me, God, so that I could experience all of the blessing of God. God, I thank you that for each one of us today who, who have a personal relationship with you, who can turn to you in our difficult times and say, you are with me. God, I thank you that, that our future is bright. God, that our best days are always ahead of us in Christ. Thank you, God. We pray, that, we pray that you would seal this word to our hearts today and help us to live these verses out. In Jesus' name, amen.